When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. My oldest son's mom came to me and told me she was pregnant. Now, this time I'm living in the house with my mama. I don't really have a car. I'm stacking paper trying to fix up on my impala in the back. I got seven years of probation for a dope charge I had caught back a year and a half prior. And, and, and you know, a switch hit in my head. Like, man, by the time my child is born, I can't be here living like this. I got to do something. My name is Detavio Samuels, and welcome to The Black Print, where I sit with the innovators, disruptors, and change makers. My guests open up about every step of their journey and share lessons learned along the way to provide creators, entrepreneurs, and executives with a tangible blueprint for navigating to the top of their industry. This is The Black Print. Welcome to The Black Print. Here, I'll always like to start with my favorite quote. Everybody sees you on the mountaintop, everybody don't see you on the climb. This is the show where we talk to the ceiling breakers, the disruptors, the innovators, the entrepreneurs about their climb to the top. And today, I'm so excited to be sitting here with my man, T.I. You know, as a young man growing up, college, um, early grad school, like this was the, the music you were making was the music that drove me, was a soundtrack to my life. And so grateful for you to be here and to have the honor of sitting with you, King. And the way we always kick it off so that I don't mess up the intro, um, as I let kings and queens introduce themselves to the audience. So okay. if you can, tell the folks who you are. Do it with your swag. We don't need to be humble in this moment. I get man. Um, from my perspective, Tip Harris, Atlanta native, husband, father, creative, visionary, artist, and entrepreneur. Beautiful. All right, so that's the top of the mind. We're going to go all the way back to the bottom. Sure. So let's go up to, let's go to young Young T.I. growing up. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. What was it like for T.I. growing up? Um, man, I think that uh, I, had a, I had a fairly decent one, you know. Uh, I didn't spend much time, you know, doing a lot of uh, constructive athletics or playing. Um, I rode bikes and, you know, I, I, was, I was mischievous and, you know, just got into stuff, but I didn't, uh, like, you know, I ain't play on no team sports or nothing like that. Uh, uh, for, for, for a large portion of my, of my childhood, uh, it was spent, you know, figuring out how to put paper together. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was, that was my definite intention. My daddy, one of the first things that my daddy taught me uh, was was that a man was supposed to keep money in his pocket, take care of his mama and the women in his family. Uh, that was like one of the first lessons that I got. I might have been about three years old. You know, my daddy used to always like give me a dollar mm. every day. And then like when I see him, when he had seen me in a minute, he'd say, man, you got some money in your pocket? And I'd be like, nah, then he give me a dollar. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Which kind of trained me or put me in the mindset of keeping some paper on me. Mm. Um, and, and 
my pops, he was from New York. You know, he had moved, he was a moving shaker uh, from New York. He did his thing in Harlem back in the, I guess, the 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. And um, I spent my summers with him. At this time, he was an old man, you know what I'm saying? He's 55, 54, 55, 56 years old. Uh, and um, when, when we spent our summers together, um, when it's time for me to go home, he'd give me some money. You know what I'm saying? He'd probably give me $150, $250 or something. And, and, and for the first time I got home, got to my mama. I get my mama found it in my pan pocket. And she said, okay, I'm going to hold this for you <laughs> so you don't lose it. And you know what I'm saying? Of course, we all know anybody grew up in a black family. I ain't see that money no more. <laughs> so <laughs> I learned then, you know, the next year when I got that paper, I was thinking, okay, so I'm going to have to figure out how to stretch this money until I see him again, uh, which was Christmas. He'd come down to Atlanta for Christmas. So um, I lived in a, in a, in a, a, a middle-class community. Uh, off Bankhead. At the time, it was a middle-class community. Uh, off of Bankhead. Working class, you know, working class community. Uh, off of Bankhead, Atlanta's west side. Um, and and I lived with my grandparents. My grandmama, my grandfather. Uh, both were working, you know, multiple jobs, you know what I'm saying, just to get it, you know, make ends meet. Uh, and I, I I had experience with the candy lady mm -hmm. in my neighborhood. Love a candy lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mandatory. You <laughs> dig what I'm saying? But I noticed it on my way to school, you know what I'm saying? Some people didn't get to the candy lady. They didn't make it at the house in time to stop at the candy lady. They didn't bring nothing with them. So there was no candy lady in school. So I said, you know what, man? I could take this little paper, man. I could stretch this money out by, you know, selling candy in school. So I went to Sam's Warehouse. My grandmama had a membership at Sam's Warehouse, which is like Costco yeah, now. Yeah. And uh, I took, I think it was 50, maybe $30, and grabbed like a lot of like big tubs of candy. And uh, I think that $50 might have, you know, worked me up to $120 or something. And my goal was to make $20 a day. Mm which would translate to $100 a week, $400 a month. And I only needed three months until December came, till I seen my pops again, I can get some more money. And then, you know, I could replenish my budget again. Mm -hmm. And so I did this and it started at $20 a day. Then it just grew, you know what I mean? What age are you? Like, what, this, uh, this is fourth grade. Okay, this is fourth, fourth grade. grade. I don't remember how old I was, I just yeah. know it was fourth grade. By the time I was in fifth grade though, it was known people would come to me every day and my fifth grade teacher, most teachers just turn a blind eye to it, you know. But my fifth grade teacher, uh, I was, you know, conducting some business in the boy bathroom. And this teacher was a man. So my previous teacher was a woman. So when I go to the bathroom, I was safe. Right. You know she what I'm saying? There, yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? This teacher was a man. His name was Mr. Flynn at, uh, at Grove Park Elementary. So I go in there. I'm handling my business, you know, for the day and whatnot, starting my day out. And Mr. Flynn walk in there. He walk in there fat, boom. Mm. And I ain't have a time to get myself together. <laughs> so I'm like, and he say, yeah, I know what you're doing. You're not supposed to be doing that, is you? I say, uh, well, no, I don't think, I don't know. 
And then he say, well, you know you ain't supposed to be doing it. Now, I'll tell you what, I could call your mama, turn you in, or you could just make sure I get me a snicker every day and you, you could do what you need to do. I say, cool. So that taught me a lot, you know what I'm saying? First lesson in extortion. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I call it, I call it, you know, added expenses, yeah. you know. Uh, it's the cost of doing business, yeah, you yeah, did. So. Um, and, you know, so I think that was kind of my first. And then my entrepreneurial uh, uh, endeavors, it just expanded. Mm. I went from that to starting, you know, selling used Nintendo cartridges to, uh, starter coats mm. and you know just all kinds of you know what I'm saying odds and ends I, I was just a I guess like a, 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 a just a consultant of, of, of goods and services mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that started my entrepreneurial efforts yeah love that um, so you are Pops teaches you the importance of having a dollar in your pocket at age three mm. you are a full-fledged entrepreneur fourth grade fifth grade on when do you start rapping? Because that happens at a young age as well, right? Yeah, I think second grade. Okay, so early, early. Yeah, I believe second grade. Um, so I used to always get in trouble in school, man, because, you know, I finished my work early, disrupt the class. Um, and it was this one week, and this was like a, a, a testing week, you know, like when when the school is kind of preparing all the kids for this test which I later learned was a standardized test that they'd use to determine how many prisons to build in the future based off of the percentage of children that failed this test. That's how they determine how many prisons to build in the future off the standardized test. But anyway, so it was this test, right? And as usual, I finished early and um, my uncle told me, if I hear something else from you uh, uh, getting in trouble in school, I'm gonna get on your ass, mm. and I, I I remember that, and so you know I'm trying to find a way to occupy my time. I'm working real hard not to be disruptive, you know. Uh, but everybody else quiet, head down. I'm like, man, what? You know what I mean? And so I just pulled out a pen and paper, and you know, just I just challenged myself to see if I could write my own rap because uh, I was known for kind of like just. Doing uh, I did a rendition. I did my rendition of LL Cool J. I'm bad for like my older cousins and my mm-hmm. uncles and stuff. Um, so I challenged myself to see if I could write, you know, write my own rap. So by the time everybody ever finished, I had a rap, and I did it uh, at the cafeteria. Table. You performed, okay? Yeah, for the kids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I did it, and they was like, "Ooh, you didn't do that." I'm like, "Yeah, I did." I said, "But well, do another one." So overnight, I wrote another one. So at the cafeteria table the next day, I, I did it again. So that became my thing, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I did not know that it was something that a kid could do, you know what I mean? I just thought, I thought I had to wait till I got older, but it was my thing. Um, and so my uncle, my uncle Quint, he'll ride me around. Uh, we'll go to the arcade, you know what I mean? Go buy some tennis shoes and stuff on the weekend. And, and subsequently, he would handle his business going in and out of different places, coming out with bags of money and putting them in the back seat. You know, I later became aware of what was going on, but at the time, I ain't know, you know, and he asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I told him, I want to do what you do. And he said, well, what do I do? Right. I said, you ride around and pick up money all day. <laughs> and he said, if anybody asks you, that's all you tell them. <laughs> uh, 
And then he said, now, nah, but what do you want to do? You know, like, what, 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 what do you like for yourself? And I said, I want to rap. So he said, okay, well, I'll tell you what, you learn everything you did to know about, you know, what it take to be in the music business, and I make sure you have the money behind you to get there. Mm. Bet. So I went and got books, you know what I mean? Uh, everything you need to know about the music business, hit me, and just all kinds of just music books. And I started learning, researching, and by the time I had read the books, he got locked up. <laughs> and so he, you know, he went away on a 10-year bid. Um, but I still had this knowledge and I still had this passion. I still had this talent. Um, and, and, you know, that, that those things coupled together with my entrepreneurial efforts kind of led me, you know, to where, where I am today. Opportunity is not equally distributed. To every black entrepreneur listening, I want to make sure you have the tools and resources you need to grab your next opportunity. That's why I'm telling you about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale One Million Black Businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field. From free business coaching to tailored training and an extended free Shopify trial. Shopify has made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says... The one million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Chart your own path for business success with the one million black businesses initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at Shopify.com slash black print all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash black print. Yeah, so how do you cross that chasm from wanting to rap to becoming a rapper when the mm. person who um, is going to be your catalyst, right, the person who is going to help you get there disappears and is not able to help you cross over? How do you end up figuring out how to get there? Well, see, yeah, that's what I meant by I ain't spend much time in my childhood, like really focusing on my childhood. Most of the time in my childhood, I was focusing on how to get my mom out the ghetto. That really was... That was my that was my first priority, you know what I'm saying. Um, and that started, you know, very very like grassroots base level, helping with bills around the house, making sure the light bill didn't get cut off, making sure the gas bill was paid. You know what I mean? It started real, like necessity driven. And then you know, as I got older, and I kind of like you know, I would introduce to, you know, the uh, Neighborhood Pharmaceutical Network. I, I set my sights on a larger things like buying her a car, you know. Um, and in the meanwhile, I was still, like, going to win talent shows and doing little stuff that I knew I could do. But I had no idea what no studio was. I didn't know where no offices, there no record label. I had zero clue of how 
you know, to connect these dots. I saw what let me know that I could do it as a kid. Then when I really, really, really got serious about the music. Which is like what age? Like where are we? They call it 13, 12, 13. I saw Criss Cross. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I saw him like be interviewed yeah. and stuff. And in the interview, I saw him say that JD discovered them at the mall. Like, man, I'm in the mall every week, man. I <laughs> JD, where you Where's at? my shot? You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, but that let me know, you know what I'm saying? Watching them do it, seeing how they how they rep for the city, man. You know what I mean? Uh, and then I knew people who knew them. I didn't know them personally, but I knew people. We kind of, we kind of from the same community. Mm -hmm. I'm from like west west side. They from the southwest side, mm -hmm. and you know we go to the same malls and kind of talk to the same girls. You know what I mean? So I knew them, and I knew okay if it can happen for them, it can happen for me. Yeah. I just got to keep pushing. Um, and uh, that's what I knew. Like okay, I could get started on this now. Mm -hmm. And then you know what I'm saying like uh, Illegal, you know what I mean? Malik and Jamal, uh, you know, ABC, another bad creation. Yeah, of course. You know, it's just uh, Shaheem or Sha oh, yeah, was it? Yeah, 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 from yeah. New York. New York, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was just, just, yep. just different little examples that I just kept seeing, like, man. Young kids popping. Some, I, I got my, I'm, I've got, I, it's something here for me. Mm. And um, then when I uh, made my way, my sister, actually, my father's oldest daughter, uh, she she caught wind of what I was doing, and I believe her husband at the time was, I get friends with a manager, someone who used to uh, manage Otis Redden, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. um, and they kind of took me in under their wing and put me through artist development. Um, that when I you know got my my first little artist picture. Uh, and, and started moving around in the little underground, unsigned artist circuit uh, about 13, 14, uh, going to the studio, meeting producers, uh, creating a demo. Um, took that demo, sent that demo to different record companies. Uh, was unanimously rejected. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, and why do you think that was? Like, look, well, the South was different back then. You know what I mean? Like, so much of hip hop comes out of the South now. Yes. But back then, that wasn't necessarily the case, was it? People weren't used to the sound. People didn't like the sound. Like, I don't know. Um, that may have had, you know, some something to do with it. But more so, I was a kid talking about real kind of adult stuff, but I didn't ascertained at the time, crisscross became crisscross because they were talking about missing the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they had a very parent-friendly... Or ABC2. You know, yeah, ABC2 at the playground. You know what I mean? I wasn't yeah. talking about stuff like yeah, that. Stuff. You know? Um, and I think that is a big part of what, what... But I couldn't see that. It was really like my therapy. I just needed to get my true fact for real. And you know, it just always has bled out into my artistry. Um, but yeah, so that didn't work. And you know, after a few years of rejection, I just dove head first into the streets. Mm -hmm. um, when I saw Master P, like I think that was like ice cream, man. Mm -hmm. Like when I saw the success of Master P taking proceeds from one area of entrepreneurship, investing it in the music and not waiting on the label, to, you know, to validate or accept you. I think that's when 
I kind of like went real heavy uh, in the in the other direction. Mm-hmm. How did it feel? So you've been writing since you were in second grade, third grade. How did it feel? Do you remember how it felt to get to the place where you were making music, you were putting your heart into the sound and the music, and it is getting rejected over and over and over again? Do you remember what that felt like? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it was a... Uh... It it was it was deflating, mm-hmm. you know. Um, as a kid, you did it didn't it didn't feel good, but I knew I knew I was wrong. I just did. I just knew I was wrong. I went to several schools around the city. A- every school I went to, I was the one that rapped. You know what I'm saying? Like. Uh, Everybody had that kid in school. Everybody knew had certain talents. There's a dude that could draw real good. You know what I'm saying? There's a dude real good at basketball, football. So on a dude that hit flips, you know, and I would do got it rap. You know what I'm saying? And and that was everywhere I went. So I, be, I began, like, to just earn this reputation for myself um, as, as, a, as a phenomenal talent in that particular area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I knew I was wrong. You know what I mean? I was already being, I guess, I praised or receiving accolades from my peers yeah, for it. I, I just had to get a shot, uh, be introduced to someone who could who could offer me the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, coincidentally enough, the first opportunity I was placed in front of that was the one that did it. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Who was it and how did you get there? Um, KP, Kawan Prather, uh, worked at LaFace Records, but also was a member of a group called PA, PA Parental Advisory, a member of uh, uh, Dungeon Family, Organized Noise. Um, and he was the third member of the group, like the producer, the DJ, you know. So all three of them were producers. Uh, he was a DJ, so it was a DJ and two rappers. Um, so I guess sort of run DMC-ish, you know what I'm saying? So he was the DJ, they were two two rappers and producers. And um, also he had this A&R gig at LaFace. And I believe, you know, his, his, his launch pad to uh, success at LaFace was, I believe he was the guy that took Usher to Jermaine Dupree for the, for the, for the My Way project. And the success of that garnered him uh, his own imprint, Mm -hmm. which was Ghetto Vision. Mm -hmm. Ghetto Vision had at the time signed Youngbloods that was, you know, taking off, doing well, having an incredible success. Um, I had been introduced to DJ Toomp by my cousin, Toot, not the same person. <laughs> Toot, no longer with us, God wrestle, uh, introduced me to DJ Toomp. And DJ Toomp introduced me to Jason Jeter. Um, so I was still, you know, doing my thing. And we were we'd agreed that we were gonna, you know, put our efforts and resources and energies together so we could uh do this demo. And so we did that. But what happened was 
my oldest son's mom came to me and told me she was pregnant. Now, this time I'm living in the house with my mama. I don't really have a car. I'm stacking paper trying to fix up on my Impala in the back. I got seven years of probation for a dope charge I had caught back a year and a half prior. And, and, and you know, a switch hit in my head. Like, man, by the time my child is born, I can't be here living like this. I got to do something. So uh, Jason, Toomp, and Toot had an intervention. They called me, sat me down. They said, hey, man, you jeopardizing all of our investment by your decisions and what you're doing. And he's like, yo, we put money in it. We put time in it. And all of it could be out the window. You know, you already on probation. You catch another case, you done. I was like, man, well, I got a baby on the way. So, you know, the rap shit don't really pay. Ain't nothing going. Ain't nothing. Ain't no motion. So if y'all could take me somewhere and show me an opportunity, I'll stop. But if not, and of course the whole, you know, you know, everybody was like, yo, man, that's ridiculous, man. That's not even reasonable. How can we just take you somewhere? And Jason raised his hand and said, I got a place. Uh, he was also the intern at Patchwork Studio. And that was the studio where PA were working on their project. PA Project, you know, they wanted to be on some chronic Dr. Dre type vibe. So they wanted new artists to be, you know, introduced on their project. And so they were like combing, you know, through the city for undiscovered talent. So Jason called him. was like, yo, I got somebody you ain't heard. They're going to be raw. And anybody that you've been listening to. And they was like, bring them through. So that same night, we went in the patchwork, walked in the room. Jason introduced me. To Reese and Mello, I believe. I don't think KP was there. Or maybe he was. Don't remember. So anyway, they introduced me. And, you know, the little arrogant little cat I was at the time. They said, can you rap on this? Hit a beat. I was like, what a boof at. And so I go in there, one take it. Boom. Mm -hmm. And I walk out. They like, damn, where where you been? I'm like, shit, ride my bike up and down Bankhead every <laughs> night. And so, you know, they either they introduced me to KP from there or KP at that time got our number, we changed number. Then we played our demo for him, you know, and 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 then nothing. So I'm back on the bike, mm -hmm. you know, pedaling, doing my thing. And uh, maybe about a week or two later, sometime later, I got a page on a page and it didn't have no code. It was just a phone number. That was all right, cause my pages usually come with code. So I know yeah, yeah. what to do when I get where I'm going. Uh, but this one didn't have, it's just a phone number. So I, I went and called on the pay phone and it says, LaFace Records, may I help you? First thing I'm thinking, who in the hell smoking dope at LaFace? <laughs> well, I'm like, man, who not did anybody page tip from there? And he was like, <laughs> Yeah, it must have been KP. Hold on, let me put you through. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.
And Nas started, and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Because I forgot all about it. I thought it was just another wasted, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he said, hey, man, yeah, so, yeah, we met. You know, you did the verse on PA, and we met. Da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, yeah, what's going on? He's like, man, I was just wondering, man, uh, if you were free uh, to go to L.A. with us to the Source Award. I say, well, us? Us who? He was like, well, you know, uh, me, the young blood. Outcast, Goody Mob, Cool Breeze. Wow. Batman. I was like, shh. I, I was like, hold on, man. Let me check my schedule. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm free, man. Yeah. I think I might be able to make it. And, um, you know, okay, so from that point, I knew I had to get myself together, man. I wasn't going out there like no slouch. So, you know, whatever I had, I took my re-up to my plug. I said, hey, man, I'm give me what I always get. Then double down on it, and I'll pay you back. You know what I mean? And he was like, all right, cool, no problem. So I did that. So everything except for what I needed to re-up, to pay him back and re-up, took my proceeds out to Cali. Now, it's my first trip to California, my first trip like as an artist being, I guess, courted, you know what I mean, as an artist. Um, and it put me in the room with Goody Mob. I mean, I remember meeting, I remember meeting Cujo, Timo. I don't know if Cee- I don't know if CeeLo would guilt with that. I remember meeting Cujo, uh, Timo, um, of course the Young Bloods, uh, Seabone. Mm-hmm. And I remember meeting them like in the hotel lobby when we first got there. They like, yeah, what's up, man? KP introduced me. They were like, yeah, what's happening, man? Where you from? I'm like, man, I'm from, I'm from Atlanta. Like, nah, where you from? Like, yeah. for real. I'm like, shit, from Bankhead, Center Hill, Baker Road. And then, like, uh, Timo, like, boy, I'm from Church Street, but you're two streets up. I'm like, oh, okay, what's happening? And you know what I'm saying? Cujo, like, yeah, man, I'm from Gun Club, which is Hollywood Road, not far down. And uh, so he's like, man, you from, you really, but you from the city, city. I'm like, yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? You know, we had that, that bond and connection. And throughout the day, I, you know, I met Big Boy. Uh, CeeLo, I met uh, uh, Andre, I met, you know what I mean, Backbone. I, mean, I just I just started just meeting these people that I just grew up, I was listening to, these people that I was like, damn, I stood in line to get these CDs, Absolutely. man. And now I'm right here with these cats. Um, two things happened mm. that really, really, like, shifted my, my, my attention. One, no. I take it back. A few things happened. I'm going to just run them down to you. Mm-hmm. One, they were there to perform at the Source Award. They were there to perform Watch Watch for the Hook, which is Cool Breeze's song. But it's a song that has the entire Dungeon Family on it, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so, you know, they were there to perform that song at the Source Awards. All right? But, but as you know, for tape performances, they usually do a camera blocking the day before. Cool Breeze didn't fly. So he was driving from Atlanta to LA. He had timed himself to get there for the filming, mm. not the camera blocking. Mm. So they like, man, we need somebody to do yeah. cool breed part. I said, man, I know it. So for the camera blocking, I was actually able to be on stage with Outcast, Goody Mob, Backbone, uh, with all of the witch doctor, all of the uh the, the the like I said, the people yeah, that I that I man, I paid money for their CD. These are cat that I like 
idolized in, in a sense. And after that, you know what I'm saying, I would kind of, I guess I was knighted or accepted. I was like, really like, okay, you one of us now. And then I believe right after that, we went on, I believe, Goody Mob tour bus, right? And it was on Goody Mob tour bus, just chilling and smoking and vibing. And then, if I'm not mistaken, Big Liz and Joe Clell came in to do an interview, right? So they come in and do this interview, and they asked everybody to freestyle. So, of course, some cats were ready to go and some went. And I hopped in there and got out. Bow, you know what I mean? Everybody like, oh, he for real, for real. And so from then, like, Cat was like, okay, I see why he here now. You see what I'm saying? And um, then on top of that, another thing, I believe they were after the tour bus. Then we go back in in the hotel and Big big Boy turned to me and say, hey, man, you know what I mean? Finna go up to the room, man, go smoke. You know what I mean? Uh, Man, just come to the room. Gave me a room number. Like, like, man, shh. Nigga, big boy, Jack. Yeah. Man, so, okay. After that trip, now I was to go back home. I was supposed to take the inventory that I had. I was supposed to, you know, make sure that it got taken care of, take the liquidity, pay off my debt, continue my business. I gave that shit away. I didn't want to sell no more dope. I didn't want to touch it. I gave it to my partner. I said, man, if you want it, you can have it. Told my plug. I said, look, bro, I'm going to pay you. I just ain't going to pay you right now. I'm doing the rap thing, man. I ain't going to really, I ain't trying to mess it up. He he looked at me and said, all right, I tell you what. You don't owe me nothing. If you if you chasing, if you doing that, you don't owe me nothing. If you get back in the game, I want my money. But as long as you doing that, you don't owe me anything. You know what I mean? Um... So at this point in time, are you feeling like you've made it? So you have rapped on stage at the Source Awards, Rap City, right? I didn't no, rap on stage at the Source I mean, Awards. Not, at the at the yes, at the at yeah. the rehearsal. At the <laughs> rehearsal. I made it to the <laughs> rehearsal. You made it to the rehearsal. <laughs> you riding around with Atlanta Greats, you rapping on Rap City, Joe Claire, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and getting respect from the Atlanta Greats. At this point in time, do you feel like you've made it? Shit, I had made it somewhere. You know what I mean? I could see motion, you know what I mean? I saw progress, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I just, I, And that's all you needed to say, let me put this yeah, in the Yeah, I was too close, mm-hmm. I was too close. Mm-hmm. I was too close. I felt like I kicked myself in the ass a whole lot of times if I, you know, I was just too close at that time. Something in me said, uh-uh, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's just let's stick with this. We, this we got something, yeah. we got something right here. This shit working, this shit finally working. Yeah. Let's stick with this. And, uh, so how do you end up getting your first real deal? Oh, after that, I mean, you know, while we was in L.A., KP was like, man, I want to sign you. You know what I mean? What we want to do. So when we got back, you know, it was passing paperwork back and forth from my, from my attorney to, to business affairs at LaFay. And so, you know, the deal got done in a matter of weeks. And we started working on my album in a matter of months. And, you know, we just... Took off. There, yeah. Yeah. And so you do that album and you do it with another label, but then you go create your entrepreneurial like skin must have been popping again. So you don't you don't you go off to create your own label? Well now, yes I do, but I don't get me wrong, I would have loved to just been, you know, 
a pampered artist. Okay. You know what I mean? I would have stayed in LaFay, man, and just, you know, lived in the lap of luxury. And, you know, I would have done that had I been afforded the opportunity to do so. But um, as legend would have it, you know, my, my first album, you know, when it first dropped, it didn't really receive the attention or the support uh, from the label that, you know, I feel like it had an opportunity to. Uh, largely because L.A. at the time, he had sold LaFace mm. and he'd taken the position as the president of Arista, which turns him from a boutique label to now you are CEO of this, you know, this, 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 this monstrosity of a company. And he got people to answer to now. And so he's working on getting the next five million double platinum. He's working on Tony Braxton, mm-hmm. Usher. He working on, you know what I mean? Like Outcast. He working on his guaranteed. Yeah. You know, the people he know gonna hit home run. He ain't got time to really slow down for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's understandable. But I had to take matters into my own hand. I just took the stuff that we had, all them promotional CDs, all that stuff that was just sitting in a warehouse after they had moved to New York. We went and got it. And I go to projects and malls or anywhere in the South, Florida, Tennessee, Alabama, South Carolina, you know what I mean? And I just pass them out. And and I I would even go, I go to the project, find the weed, man, get some gas from him. And while we rolling up and smoking, I'm like, shit, man, check me out. Mm. While we smoking, by the time we get through smoking, they like, they fans. Mm. They're like, man, hell yeah, boy, you hard. You know what I mean? And that made his way to the to the club DJ. We made his way to the radio stations. And it went from moving around on our own dime to being called to perform for 1,500, 2,500, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000. We had then grown to about, getting about $25,000, $30,000 a show. After we were doing mixtapes, met DJ Drama, you know what I'm saying? Uh, nurtured that relationship. Started doing gangster grills with him in the streets with me in the PSC. Uh, and and even paid for my own radio budget for my first single for the next album. Got a call from L.A. L.A. say, man, let's start working on the second album. Like, man, where you been, bro? You know, I've I been, we've been operating as an independent We've been spending our own money, investing in ourselves. If we gonna do anything by the second album, I really was trying to do another single off the first album. Mm-hmm. If we gonna do a second album, I'ma need two million from you to make sure I don't go through the same thing again. So we'll replenish what we spent and have enough to handle our own business. And if you don't, and we need our own joint venture, 50-50, or else mm-hmm. you can just drop her, let her go. We were like, man, all right, cool, man. You know what I mean? Let me think about it. Y'all, you know, let, we'll have lunch. Y'all, you know, and come back. We'll, we'll think, I think about it. So we go to lunch, uh, come back. He said, well, I'm going to give you what you want. I'm like, letting you go. Yeah. <laughs> and so that is really what started the entrepreneurial efforts again. But he did, the, he did me. You know, probably one of the greatest favors. Or the, that was one of the most noble gestures in business that I could think of. He's still my OG, man, still a mentor to this day. Mm-hmm. I still consider myself of the LaFace alumni. Uh, but letting me go, man, that allowed me to take my talent to to the fair market mm-hmm. and get, you know, a more than fair deal mm-hmm. from Atlantic. Mm-hmm. 
I want to get into the entrepreneurship stuff, but last thing on the music piece. Um, it's been a long walk from second grade to rehearsals at the Source Awards to being signed with LaFace to then being, you know, separating partnership from La. Like, when do you finally feel like you made it as an artist? Like, do you remember? I don't know if it was an album. Was it a moment on stage? But when are you like, my God, I am finally here? I had a lot of almost. You know what I mean? I had a lot of almost. I feel like I almost made it a lot of time. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, my second album, Trap Music, of course, it went gold at the time, but it was right there at Platinum. So I was almost, you know what I mean? It later became Platinum. And this is the 20th anniversary of Trap Music, by the way. Congratulations. Thank you. So I think I, at the time, Trap Music had sold like 775, something like that. Like, bam, yeah, right almost. Yeah. You feel me? Uh, but we had hits, you know what I mean? 24 was a, was a big a big record, Be Easy was a big record, Rubber Band Man was a big record, uh -huh. Let's Get Away was a big record, Start getting recognition, you know, nationally from people like Puff, uh, you know, um, Pharrell had already, uh, always supported me from my first album, um, but people starting to catch on, you know what I mean? My record starting to play on New York radio now, so it's becoming more than just a regional thing. Um, and I mean, it, it just, it, it took off, but it didn't really take off, off. You know, I'm looking at 50 Cent. I'm like, man, anything else? Looking at Nelly. I'm like, man, shit, man. <laughs> so I felt like I almost made it, you know what I mean? So the next album, which was, uh, Urban Legend. Oh, and right at, at the, at the, at the. The video shoot for Rubber Band Man, I got in some trouble. Uh, and I was still on the same probation, but I got in some trouble. And uh, that took me back. It took me back, you know, to serve a little a probation violation. And um, so I couldn't even really push it from 775 to over the million mark. Mm. Uh, but I wrote most of Urban Legend while I was away. So I came back, started working on Urban Legend immediately. Uh, and while I was away, I believe that's when Leo Cohen mm. and Edgar Broffman had acquired Warner Music. So Leo Cohen went from Def Jam, came over to Warner, and he was like, you know, he told me, you the one. He came to see me in jail and said, man, you the one. When you get out of here, we going. Mm. And, after, and after Leo, then Kevin Lyles came, Julie Greenwald came, and you know what I'm saying? So now it's it's the Def Jam team. You know what I mean? And I knew, you know, I knew what that meant. And we just started pushing. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? 
head over to amazon.com forward slash prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Uh, got that. Did uh, You Don't Know Me, mm-hmm. from Urban Legend, mm-hmm. uh, Bring Them Out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just start, uh, get loose, just start pushing. And that was a, a platinum record, but it was like, it went like 1.3, 1.5. I was trying to get the double. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm almost there again. <laughs> uh, and then, um, so, but something special happened. During that during that album process, I got offered the opportunity to be in a movie. You know what I mean? Mm. Talking to Dallas Austin, uh, back in my first album, he asked me to read for one of his movies that he was doing, and uh, I went and read for it. Um, I didn't get it. When I went, they were like, "Yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? We like you, but can you play the drums?" I'm like, yeah, I could. Play like I'm playing right, the drum, right. you know what I mean? Like, eh, nah, we got a guy that says he's willing to learn how to play the drum. So I didn't get the role, you know what I mean? Some no-name guy named Nick Cannon took that role <laughs> for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, some weirdo, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but, but, you know, I developed a relationship with Dallas and he just kept, you know, kept his eyes on me. So by the time I was working on Urban Legend or, or I was releasing Urban Legend, he, approached me and I was like, hey man, this time, just give me the role, man. Oh, don't make me go through that. He was like, all right, bet, you got it. So he was working on a a, a project. Um, at the time it was called Jelly Beans. It was about a skating rink, a, a, a very famous skating rink in Atlanta. Um, and you know, he wanted me to star in it. And I was like, bet. Then Will Smith came on with Overbrook Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, it was a huge, huge amount of responsibility to entrust a first-time actor with the starring role of a major motion picture, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And a first-time director in Chris Robinson. Mm. And so, you know, the studio was like, nah, we ain't, Too much risk. Too much risk. We ain't going. And Dallas and, 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 and Will, Will Smith said, well, if y'all, if he don't do it, we ain't doing the movie. And so, you know, they let me, you know what I mean? They 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 gave me the shot. And so that's how I got the role of Rashad at ATL. Yeah, yeah. Which I almost got fired from. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first few days, man. I come late, man. But this was the first time, like, okay, I had just got like a 17 million, well, excuse me, a $7 million check and a $5 million check. So I'm coming to sit. Smoke blowing out the new phantom. And I'm not really, you know, I'm like, man, I get there 40 minutes late. I'm like, 40 minutes late at the studio is early. And, you know, they they sat me down. They were like, man, they're going to fire you. In the back of my mind, I'm like, man, so I get to go spend their money now. And it was Chris Robinson told me, no, bro, look, man, this is not just an opportunity for you. You know, you're a first-time actor. I'm a first-time director. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of first-time actors of in the mm-hmm. cast. Bruh, we looking to you to lead the team. We need you to, we can't, it ain't just like you go away and they get somebody else. Mm-hmm. You go away, the whole the away. whole opportunity go away. Man, we need, I was like, but damn, man, just put it like that. Mm-hmm. So that's when it became more of a responsibility. It became more, I felt, I don't know, I guess, 
I felt like connected. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's bigger I, than you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I felt a fellowship mm -hmm, mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. sorts. And that when I started taking the shit seriously. Mm -hmm. And that you have a lot of like, so you're 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 getting new money. Do you have any advice or thoughts for people when they get that first check, right? You're talking about I got my I got five mil here, seven mil here. They may not be getting the same size checks, right? But any lessons for people like when you get that first check, what you like, go splurge, go spend it all, put some in like any any advice or thoughts? Invest first. Invest first. You know what I mean? Invest first. You going, you know, now I, telling them the exact right thing to do ain't going to work because that's going to seem so overwhelming. They're going to be like, I never reached that. So they're going to do nothing. So invest first and what's left, do what you want. But make sure you acquire assets, you know, some form of property, uh, whether it's a condo, townhouse, uh, a home, or just a patch of grass. Mm. Invest in something. Um, and do that before you spend money on any depreciating liability. Mm -hmm. Invest first. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that would save me. When I got my first check, my uncle was just getting out of prison. The one who, you know, mm -hmm. who who told me he was going to put me on. He was just getting out of prison. And he heard, you know what I mean? Of course, the whole family was talking about I would got, you know, I had my shot. He was like, man, you know what, man? You just got your check, right? I said, yeah. He said, man, give me 40000 I said, man, I ain't seen you in yeah. 10 years. <laughs> you supposed to be giving me. He said, man, I'd do it for you. Just give me 40000 I said, all right, bro. I gave it to him. I gave him the money, you know what I mean? Went and blew the rest, like I said. I didn't really blow it. I kind of bought the stuff I needed. Like I said, I bought, you know, a truck, apartment for myself, uh, a little furniture, you know what I'm saying? Little get fresh kits and shit. Oh, by the time, so by the time my son was born, I told you what hit the switch in my mind when his mom said she was pregnant. Mm -hmm. By the time he was born, I had a record deal. I had my own truck. I had my own apartment. I completely, you know, manifested myself into a better situation. Oh, you dig? Yeah. Uh, and, but after he gave him the 40, I kind of went on and forgot about it. All right, so you are music career popping, um, acting career popping. Now you starting to build assets. Let's talk about the empire you have now and some of the assets that you're sitting on top of. So I feel like, okay, when most people look at me or introduce me, they say, okay, T.I. rapper. Mm. And true enough, rapping is something that I do well. So I don't mind it as much, but... I feel like it don't necessarily speak to all my gifts. Mm -hmm. I think what, what, what I have really found a knack for doing over the years is building brands. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm a brand builder in many different areas, whether that's uh, a coup mm -hmm. and hustle game, which are the two clothing lines that, uh, that we own, uh, whether that's Grand Hustle, the, the label, uh, Grand Hustle Films, um, whether that's the Trap Music Museum, which is uh, on year four of operation, and the top five um, museums in the South, uh, top six tourist attractions mm. in Atlanta. What made you open up a museum? 
Uh, well, it was, it was, it was ironically to celebrate the 15th anniversary of the album Trap Music. You know what I mean, um, it just never it was, went away. I would look. Yeah, man, it was only supposed to be a three month installation. Pop up. I was actually looking for a way, a unique way outside of just showing up and doing the show, performing all the song. And, and I also wanted to celebrate the genre, not just the album. You feel me? Uh, I felt like, and it was so much question, concern, and, 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 and just mystery around who really did what with trap music. Mm -hmm. So I felt like there was an opportunity. It was a teachable moment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I felt, you know, nothing like facts, mm -hmm. you know, to dispute fiction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so uh, I felt like it was an opportunity to celebrate the genre, celebrate the most significant contributors to the genre, to inspire, to educate, uh, and, and inform people of what trap music is, why it's important, mm -hmm. um, who were the key players, who introduced it, you know what I mean, who were taking it to the next level, who are making sure it makes its way into the future, uh, and a safe space to 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 create our own narrative. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To tell it. our story before someone that don't look like us can tell it, tell it. Yeah. on our behalf. Um, and you know what I'm saying? And also with me uh, acquiring commercial properties, I just had a building, and after the suggestion came to do a museum, I just started walking around the building like, yeah, okay, I see how we could do this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, the vision just manifested itself. Uh, with, of course, with the team, uh, the, the, the team and the support system that I had around me that could execute the vision properly. Mm -hmm. um, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Also, that led to the Trap City Cafe, which is a neighboring uh, a neighboring building that that basically offers food, drinks, hookah vibes, and also celebrates the most significant contributors to the culture of trap music. Uh, this way, this time by way of photography, mostly. You know what I mean? Um, uh, uh, we 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 got Cam Kurt. Mm -hmm, of course. Yeah, he he basically all the photographs in there is all his work. Help. You know what I mean? He embraced us, wrapped his arms around us. Uh, we definitely appreciate that. Um, let's see. We also have uh, Bankhead Seafood. Mm. Bankhead Seafood is a, a, a restaurant, a flagship uh, a, a restaurant of, of, of the community that Killer Mike and I partnered mm. to acquire. The building and the business. Mm -hmm. Uh, from its its matriarch, mm -hmm. um, and and we are now you know in the process of reconstructing the entire building mm -hmm. uh, and re reimagining and reintroducing uh, the the brand to the community. So you are a rapper, actor, real estate mogul, entrepreneur, restaurateur, but I know that you also do a lot for your community. Yeah. Right. Like you've gotten to this, to this, to this level. And oh, I also you. forgot about, okay, Grand Hustle Film. So I'm working, <laughs> currently editing my first film uh, as a director. Congratulations. Uh, what's it called? Thank you. It's called Departments. Okay. What's the It's like saying The Apartments if you're yeah, from Atlanta. Departments. departments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it basically like, the imagine like clerks, you know, clerks, yeah. 
mixed with Friday. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So like clerks, it wasn't really about nothing. It was just, you know, the, the series of events that happened with these people that found themselves in and out of this particular convenience store. Mm. Okay, well, it's the same thing, but instead of a convenience store, we have a set of apartments here. Mm. And it's the, you know, just the daily, ordinary to extraordinary activities that, you know, happen to take place in this set of apartments somewhere on the west side of Atlanta. When's that coming out? I don't know. I'm okay. currently in the midst of uh, editing uh, right now, and, and it's, 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 it's drop-dead hilarious. Okay. <laughs> I don't think. And it has, like, um, a roster of who's who oh. um, in, in comedy. DC Young Fly is yeah. uh, producing it with me. So it's DC, Carlos Miller, Nam yeah. Green, uh, K-Dub, Erica Duchess, Tyler Chronicles, Ronnie Jordan, uh, mm. Tokyo Jets, um, man. Yeah, all the comedians. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a long laundry Oh, King Harris, can't forget about him. There's a long laundry <laughs> list of uh, just, just up and coming, drop dead, or up and coming and already established comedians, man, that came in and did their thing, and I'm excited about it. But mm -hmm. go ahead, back well, to no, the no, I actually want to do the community piece, but before I do the community piece, what I want you to talk to me is about, like, what are tips, gifts, right? So, like, I'm really big on not defining yourself by a function, right? So it's right. not like I'm a marketer or I'm a finance person or I'm a restaurateur, right? Mm -hmm. But you have gifts that allow you True. to tap into all of those things. What are yeah. your gifts? Um, I think Vision. Definitely. I believe, you know, like a true visionary. Um, you see, a lot of times I can't see what was I can't see what's going on right now because I'm looking I see so far, something yeah. in, in the future, you did, and that kind of removes my ability to be able to to focus on what's going on in the moment. Uh, and sometimes people may be like, yo, you need to do this. And, and and they may be right, but I can't really see it because I already have a vision here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's something I already have in my head that is kind of blocking the vision of what you're trying to introduce me to. Not to say that you're wrong in yeah, what you're yeah, saying, yeah. but I'm so keyed in on this. And until I do this, I ain't going to be able to see that. Um, I think that's my gift. I also think that... Um, Surrounding myself with 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 people who who can take these visions and execute them. That's a leadership skill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I think um, building and leading. Team. I go. I mean, and, and going, and seeing where there is nothing, and envisioning something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And 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 also figuring out how to allow that something to service a purpose mm -hmm. for a certain. 
community mm-hmm. or, or a certain, you know, I could find, I could go anywhere and say, okay, well, they need this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can, I can provide this for, for this, for this, for this neighborhood or for this city or for this genre. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that that might be like one of my most, I guess. Yeah. Powerful gifts. So to, to take that into the last question, which is about um, creating things that are helping communities. Mm. I know that you've been doing that, um, not just yesterday, but for quite some time, right? Mm. I think it's so important that as we make our way up and climb up, that we find ways to pull back. Talk to me about some of the things you're doing for your community, for the people that you care about. Um, Man, well, one thing, man, creating, creating, uh, I want to, create like a self-sustaining ecosystem within the community. You know, all the things that I know we like to spend money on, I want to try and make sure that those things are very, very close to us. Mm, You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Also providing employment to the community. Uh, Between the Trap City Cafe and the Trap Music Museum, it got to be like 60 jobs. You know what I mean? 67, and and not to mention um, uh, affordable housing. Uh, I learned that 90% of the people who work in Atlanta can't afford to live mm-hmm. in the city of Atlanta. Um, and that, that, that affects the culture and also affects the natives in many ways. So, you know, I had a vision to provide a space like a, a mixed use community in, 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 in the city, in my area of Bankhead, in uh, a piece of property that I acquired. Uh, put a vision together for uh, an affordable housing, mixed-use community, 143 units. Um, and, and we've delivered that to the community. Beautiful. It, it, it is now available. There's 143 units of affordable housing units uh, on Bankhead in the city right now. Beautiful. Uh, based off that vision and the execution of that vision from the people around me that, you know, thought enough of me and thought enough of the vision to to help me uh, carry that or carry it out on my behalf, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see, man. Um, also just diving in, like using my platform for a purpose whenever there are causes that I see that, 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 that deserve to have a light shine on it or deserve, uh, you know, a more visible presence. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to make myself available for those type things uh, with us or else. Uh, also, um, so there's a a tablet called Moolah, a Moolah tablet. Um, it's a company that, so I found this guy, this guy's name Vernell. Uh, he's a tech whiz out of Georgia Tech, and um, he developed this software, this technology. I guess it's an operating system mm-hmm. that he put on a tablet, and um, this operating system allows the person to use it every time you engage with your tablet, you earn money. Mm-hmm based off ad revenue. So he basically worked a deal out with some ad revenue people. I mean, excuse me, with some ad companies, ad agencies. And every time the ad pops up, you know what I mean? It generates paper. And so it's a tablet that 
you get paid to Allows use. You, to earn. you know what I mean? And on top of that, he also went and and got himself um in a in a program with the government is, that gives away free tablets to people mm-hmm. who are on government assistance or who live below the poverty line. Um so he 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 get the, he got the government to pay for the tablets. Yeah, when he got the tablet, he put his operating system on yeah. it. That operating system allows people to, to earn, earn money as they use it. So the tablet's free, and you, you earn money. money for the tablet. So you know what I'm saying? That's uh, that's called moolah. That's something that you know that I um just assist his efforts in, and you know try and make sure that there's free Wi-Fi, adequate technology. And all the homes that, you know, that, that can't afford to have it. So that isn't the excuse or that isn't the reason why they aren't able to learn as, at, at the same rate or, or, or to, you know, be afforded the same opportunities as our Caucasian counterparts across town. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's an elegant solution. It's like three things. It's, it's the digital divide, right? Putting a dent in the digital divide. It's putting a dent di- in the tech divide, right? Making sure we got the same and the right technology, right. and then helping people build wealth and 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 dollars. So you also just did this amazing thing. I know you've been doing it for over a decade. Harris yeah. Community Works. Tell yeah. us about that. Uh, Harris Community Works, man. We uh, man, just want to make sure that we we offer our uh, efforts and energy uh, and attention to to you know people in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, during the holidays, mostly, uh, we do like a turkey drive that we feed over 300 to 500 families. Um, we part. Okay. Well, I guess it's grown to over a thousand families. (laughs) Um, yeah, we feed over a thousand families, uh, in, in, in partnership with the city of Atlanta, the mayor, um, uh, Humana. Uh, and other corporations, man, they all, we come together and make sure that, you know, that the people in the community, you know what I'm saying, can afford to have I love it. a decent, healthy holiday, you know, um, and I think that's important, like quality of life-wise, as something that, you, you know, if I could step up and do that, man, I'd love to, I'd love to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also partner with Next Level Boys Academy uh, for Christmas. And we do things like a coup also. We do things like get shopping sprees mm-hmm. to the kids that complete the program for the Next Level Boys Academy. Next Level Boys Academy is a, a diversion program. It take kids that were like, you know, at risk, in court, you know, catching cases. And when they sentence, instead of sending them to prison, the judge allows them to go through this program. If they complete mm-hmm. this program, uh, then they, 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 they sentence will be commuted or diverted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, you know, that's real important to me because I was once one of them kids, of you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. And that kind of program didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So the kids who kind of complete the program during Christmas time, man, we take them on a shopping spree with DTLR. Um, and you know what I'm saying? Spend some hundreds of dollars on them for Christmas. Um, and it'd be about, what, what it be like? 150, 200 kids? How many kids it be? Yeah, 50 to 100 kids a year do that. Uh, and also, uh, Judge Asha Jackson. What's her? What's Judge Asha Jackson with Project Pinnacle. Judge Asha Jackson is um, mm. a, a, a committed, phenomenal, brilliant judge in DeKalb County. 
um, a sister who who has committed her efforts to a diversion program that also takes kids who are, you know, the people, well, actually not even just kids, young adults as well, who have been um, sentenced to a, to a, to a, a prison sentence, and, and she let them go through her program at Project Pinnacle. And when they complete her program, then um, their, their sentences are commuted and diverted and uh, get them another shot, mm. you know what I mean, at a new life. So, you know, those are, you know what I'm saying, programs that are near and dear to my heart. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I was it. once in a similar position. Yeah, no, I love it. Look, King, I, I appreciate you for being here. I think I want to say thank you on two different levels. Um, the first level is thank you for being the soundtrack to my young adult life. <laughs> Man, I was in North Carolina. Thank you for listening. Yeah, yeah, look, look. You know what I'm saying? All them late nights in the studio, all that thinking of shit, man, it don't mean nothing if you don't listen. You <laughs> get what I'm saying? So I appreciate you. I can remember riding in my whip, listening to you like, yo, this man is bananas. So anyways, thank you for- Man, appreciate um, you. Um, yeah, man, the nights and everything that you got me through as a young man. And then today, just thank you for being the king and the man that you are, the visionary. Um, who is creating jobs, who is helping young people who fell into predicaments like yours, right? Thank but then giving them a different way out, who's making sure that, you know, families get food and toys and things that like every single kid deserves over nice. the holidays. Um, thank you. I almost forgot. Yeah. <laughs> All Deaf Digital and Culture, uh, culture yeah, yeah, Genesis. Yeah, definitely got a job there. Culture All, Genesis. Yeah, yeah All yeah, Deaf yeah. Digital is another, you know, partnership that I'm proud of. Yeah. Uh, we are content creator slash ad revenue. Yeah. Uh, I guess consultant firm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just a, even like you said, on the entrepreneurial level. Um, not just what you're building, but what you're building is creating jobs and roles and opportunities for so many other people. So thank I you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for being who you are. And thank you for coming to drop some gems on the black print, my man. Appreciate right it. Right on. Thank yeah, you, man. man. Love, 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 love. Just had a great conversation with Tip, T.I. I mean, the man is teaching you and telling me how he went from being a young entrepreneur to a rapper, to an actor, to now having this incredible, incredible empire. Um, I think for me, the three kind of lessons that pop out and stood out the most um, are one, um, sometimes the greatest place to find our gifts are in our past. So often I think we as adults have challenges identifying what we are best in the world at. But I think if you go back to your original design, if you go back to your childhood, and you look at what was I doing back then? I think in that is, is fertile ground to find gifts. Tip, since he was in second grade, has been rapping. Since he was in fourth, fifth grade, has been an entrepreneur, buying stuff low, selling it high. And he's just been doing that now his entire life. And so the importance of looking into our past to identify gifts that can help propel us into our future. Two, just the importance of giving back, like, you know, clearly he's got all of these amazing achievements and accolades, but literally it took like 10, 15 minutes for him just to run off all of the good that he is doing in the community, all of the good he is doing in the world, both through for-profit entities and creating jobs um, to nonprofit entities, feeding families, taking care of kids, making sure kids have kids for the holidays, but just the importance of, as we all ascend, 
remembering to give back to those who are less fortunate. And then the third one, which I love, because here at Revolt, we are all about entrepreneurship. We're all about building wealth, building black wealth, um, black economic mobility. You know, when I talk to him about, look, what's the first thing you would tell someone to do with your first check? He said, invest. So this idea that, um, yeah, we can drive the fancy cars, and yeah, we can have the chains, and yeah, we can have the sneakers, but make sure that the first thing you do when you get that check is that you invest. Invest in yourself, invest in assets, invest in your future so that the money can keep going. Um, phenomenal conversation with Tip. I'm so happy that he came here. Literally, like my, my, my college days and my business school days were full of listening to T.I. do his thing. And so just honored that I got to sit with not, with not just him as the rapper, not just him as the actor, but as the entrepreneur and the philanthropist. That's it for this time. Catch you next time on The Black Print. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? 
head over to amazon.com forward slash prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.